You're listening to Fed by Ravens with Matt and Adam. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Adam. I'm a little bit tired, but I'm feeling strangely chipper. Okay, good to know. What day are we on? Noted. Uh, We are on day 47 and 48. Our Old Testament reading is Exodus chapter 19 through 22. This is the sweet spot. This is everyone should take note of these chapters. Uh, at a minimum, if there's a Bible class to get into heaven, this might be a question. I'm just kidding. We don't get to heaven by that, but that was another test. It's a test within a test. But okay. Exodus. 19, but if there would be one. <laughs> but if there would be one, and, and Saint Peter said, "Do you know where the Ten Commandments are located in the Bible?" We would hope you'd pass by saying yes, at least knowing it's an Exodus, but at best knowing it's an Exodus. Chapter Exodus 20. chapter 20. 19 uh, and 20 are the, the sweet spots. Yeah, I feel like most, like, the instinct is after chapter 20, you're like, and eh, we're done with Exodus, let's move on, because he gets into the nitty gritty. But that's where I'm realizing is all the good stuff. So well, this, I'm excited. This is a remarkable turn of events. God has not only delivered his people, but now he's giving us his will. You know, we think of, like, what's the will of God? What is the, are the desires of God for us? Yeah. And we spend time trying to figure out, like, what college do I go to? Who do I marry? Yeah, we turn it into, like, God's, like, a magic eight ball. Right. And we're, like, shaking and going, yes? And that's actually not the will of God. That's God saying, I've given you a will to choose things, and I promise to be with you. Right. But here's my will for you, and he's... And it begins, before we even get into the will of God, like the ten words, Decalogue mm-hmm. is what the Ten Commandments mm-hmm. is called. And it's just ten words to live by. Ten words that will describe you if you live with me. Mm-hmm. But it begins in chapter, uh, what are we, 19? Yeah, 19. So Moses, is, Moses has led the people out. They're going to the mountain where God originally met with him in the burning bush. And he just met with his father-in-law who gave him some solid administration advice and now they are camping around mount sinai yeah and uh god is now speaking to moses saying gather the people to me i'm going to appear to them and uh what's remarkable to me is god calls this people his treasured possession yes that you're my treasure like where you're your treasure is, there your heart is. Mm-hmm. You know, where your heart is, there your treasure will be. The things that you talk about, the things that you love, or the things that you do. And you have to get this if you're going to read the Bible. You have to. That we are God's treasure. We mm-hmm. are his heart. That Jesus is the heart of God. Come to get the treasure, and we are the treasure. He just loves us. Mm-hmm. And so he's making this as clear as possible in Exodus 19, actually throughout his interaction. He's like, I've saved you because I treasure you. I'm, you're worth restoring. You're like this beautiful gem I found in some kind of antique store that's going to be my whole life, mm-hmm. and you're worth it. So listen to me. Yeah, so he, uh, he kind of gives Moses, like, say, at, tell the people this, remind them that I saved them, and says, now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all the people's for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. And again, this is a moment that you have to to know and Mm -hmm. understand. If the rest of the story wants to make real sense, and you're not going to just use the Bible as an eight ball to solve problems or a topical 
um, you know, ointment or something. Mm-hmm. If you really want to understand the story, it's right here. God treasures us, and he says, you're going to be my kingdom of priests. You're going to be between God and the people. Mm-hmm. I love all people, but you're my people, and I want you to be an integral part of saving the world with me. Yeah, so I do want to point out, so like he's talking to specifically the people of Israel right here in this moment, and a lot of times I feel like we've had this idea that Israel was the people that God chose to save, but really the idea is God chose, set them apart to save the world. Like he's going to use them to bring the gospel to the world, and then ultimately he's speaking of the church through Christ. Well, you have to remember the whole thing starts with the seed of the woman Mm -hmm. and then the seed through Abraham. And the nation is almost like protecting the seed of the the promised seed that's going to come to save the world and get Mm -hmm. us all back into the Garden of Eden. So Israel is uh, how God's doing it by building a nation. And then Mm -hmm. we know at Christ, Christ is the seed. And Christ draws us in. But our uh, our position, though, in Christ, even though we're not um, ethnically Israeli or anything, you know, or connected like mm-hmm. that, we are connected by faith now. We learn this from the New Testament, especially in Galatians. But, um, but the job is still, and the plan is still yeah. the same. It's yes. just uh, we're more empowered now by the Holy Spirit to be a holy nation, to be priests set aside. But anyway, it's all in chapter 19. Yeah, so Moses speaks these words. And the people kind of click the agree button. Yeah. Uh, they're like, yeah, we'll, we'll obey your words. And so <laughs> they not, totally not even it, yeah. really knowing what God's about to lay out for them, but they say, yes, we will do everything you ask. And just to take note, God shows up in a thick cloud and he spoke with Moses so that they could believe that God actually talks to Moses. Yes. But it's risky. Like talking mm-hmm. to God is risky. Yeah. So he... Um, sets up this whole system where he's like, you got to purify the people. They've got to take three days, which I think is of like, that's how many days Christ was in the tomb. It's amazing. It's amazing. That's the days of the period of purification. Purify all the death out, overcome it. Now you can come into my presence. Now you will approach the mountain, but you'll approach the mountain, but you still are not allowed to touch any part of the mountain or Mm -hmm. you'll die because you're still, even after three days, you're still sinful. Yeah. Um, and then mm-hmm. Moses and Aaron go up to the mountain, and God comes down in a cloud and thunder and speaks to Moses in front of all the people. You know, I had the thought, um, I used to think, why is it so scary? Why is it so scary to meet God? Shouldn't mm-hmm. it be like seeing Santa Claus, you climb up on his knee? But then I had the memory of uh, when Obama came to my neighborhood, to the Gators dockside, he was at Windermere. Oh, yeah, yeah. President Obama. I was coming back from a, a night at Chris Reed's with our friend Isaac, and we got stuck on this road for 30 minutes while the presidential motorcade went by. Uh-huh. And I just had that thought where it's like, the president has a motorcade. Like, keep your distance. Don't bring any mental illness or violence or craziness to this person. And we're taking every precaution to protect the nation. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting. Yeah. Like, that makes sense yeah. to us. And so and there is get, a, like a sense of fear. And so if you can think of, yeah, the God of the universe makes himself available for a meet and greet. Mm-hmm. You take precautions. You close down the airport. You surround. You tell people, don't cross this line because you will potentially die. It's risky. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're going to meet with the president. You get background checked. 
you get frisked. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I don't yeah. know. It's, no, that's, it's helpful that's good. Yeah. for me to, to realize that God is serious. Mm-hmm. And when we go before him, he loves us like, to use the language of the kids, he loves us like crazy. Just kidding, that's not. But, huh. um, yeah. The kids still that's, using that one? No, that's like church language. That's like 20 <laughs> years behind. Anyway, it's funny. That's why, that was my joke there. But he loves us, but he's also saying, hey, this is legit. Mm-hmm. And so there is um, all these precautions, and rightly so, because there's the sinfulness and the death that is in humanity that he's come to uh, drive out of us and to save us from. And that is the judgment and the salvation of God, another theme. So um, it's always to judgment or salvation. Mm-hmm. And if it's going to be salvation, you meet the Lord when and where and how he says to. Yeah, and then we see God choosing and selecting a special... Uh, mediator or a priest among yeah. the people to intercede. So Man, what, got- what's really cool, so moving on into chapter 20, we get the the famous Ten Commandments, but I never realized that God was saying these in front of the people. He was saying, he was giving Moses these commandments on in front of the people. Really? Yes. This is happening in front of the people. This is, he he's on the mountain, the people are gathered around it, and he is giving these ten to Moses I, I and thought, Aaron. I thought it said the people cannot come up to Mount Sinai for you yourself warned us, saying set limits around it. And then the Lord said to him, go down and come up. Yeah, they're Aaron surrounding. They're surrounding the but mountain. But they're able to hear the thunder and the, the lightning. lightning. Of they're the voice seeing of God. Moses stand in front of as oh. he's giving them this. Do you know and what? Though? It's right after that that remember, they're like, no, no, we're good. Remember when God spoke to. Uh, Jesus a couple times. Like, mm-hmm. This is my son. Some heard it and some just heard it as thunder. thunder. Yes. Interesting. Yes. Okay, so he's talking out of a cloud on top of a mountain. A lot in like the front ch- of the people of God. Right. In front of the people of God. So that they know that God or Moses is really communing with God. And so like even Peter, James, and John come down from the Mount of Transfiguration and say, we saw Jesus in his divine glory. Right. And so Moses comes down and is like, yeah, I was talking with God. You know that's a fact. Yeah, you saw it. And here's what he said. Right. So now we get the famous Ten Chapter 20, Ten Commandments, which are the ten words which describe, like, God's love. It's almost like a ma- Think of it as marriage vows. Yes. Like, here's who we're going to be together. If I'm your God, you're going to worship me. You're not going to bow down to created things. Mm-hmm. If I'm your God, you're going to use my name for praise, for prayer, for thanksgiving. You're not going to use it in vain, which means flippantly, but also it means don't use it to make vows. Don't use it to manipulate it like I'm doing this mm-hmm. in the name of God and then rip people off. Like that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Just like you wouldn't manipulate, you know, your wife's name or or use it as a sham. The sabbatical rhythm of life is huge. That right. is for our good. We'll, we'll read about that in Mark, but um, the rhythms of Sabbath and maintaining a day for rest for your body and um, also a time to restore your soul through worship. That day is about mm-hmm. worship. Mm-hmm. Then that's the first table of the law, right? Between us right. and God. Right. The second table is love your neighbor as yourself. So it's, it's saying honor your father and your mother um, because they represent God. Don't murder you, you, we, we hold life as a gift and sacred. Do not commit adultery. You know, the, uh, the marriage relationship represents to us the relationship and commitment, ridiculous commitment of God to us. You don't steal, you don't lie, and you don't covet. Um, so that, that last one, it's kind of broken up into two, but it's interesting. 
it has to do with intentions. So like there's behaviors and then there's intentions. Like right. don't allow the intention of stealing or wanting the, the not being content, which right. I think strangely the last commandments are ones we break all the time in our culture. In fact, all of advertising is built on breaking that ninth and 10th commandment <laughs> of coveting is <clears throat> trying to mm-hmm. stir up your intention to want and be dissatisfied with what you have mm-hmm. and have something else, someone else. It's interesting. So, but remember, these are not uh, these are describing who you are. Yeah, the the word command actually really only shows up in um, was it verse six? Um, I'm pretty sure it's see. like verse six. Yeah, uh, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. Other than that, like. These were known as the 10 words, the describing words of the people of God. Right. And who they will be as they spend time with God. And these are like the most human things. Mm -hmm. You know, people try to act like these things are already in humanity. They're not. That's why God had to say them. Mm -hmm. Um, You can pretend and be like, yeah, we all naturally want to help each other. No, we don't. We want to save ourselves and get what we want to get. And that's why God has to say I'm restoring you to full humanity, and this is what full humanity looks like, mm-hmm. the most basic form of it, because that's where we're going to start. <clears throat> then, after these are all listed, then we get in verse 18, uh, people, when they see the thunder and the lightning and yeah. the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, they're like, uh, Moses, you speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us lest we die. Yeah. And they're like, okay, that's intense. Moses, you can you can deal with God. We'll just deal with you. But do you notice what Moses says? He goes, look, don't don't fear. Yes. God has come to test you. He's come to like put a trial on you to to prepare you mm-hmm. to fear him that you may be blessed, you know, that yeah. you may not sin. Like God's doing this because he wants you to be ready. You, you can't receive the life mm-hmm. that he's just described unless you fear him and you trust him. Right. And so it's okay to be a little scared, but they, yeah, it's interesting when they're like, you don't talk to us. And this is brought up later with the need for a mediator, the need for Jesus to speak. Mm-hmm. And even the need for like pastors, you know, as a pastor myself, you think, why, do, is my, why does my job even exist? Mm-hmm. And you, start, you do start to think, well, because if people maybe wrestled with the things I wrestled with, they might die. You might not be able to handle it. Right. You need someone to, to speak to God on your behalf, but we also know that Jesus does that for us now, so the pressure's not on me. Right. We all can approach God boldly with grace. So, um, but there's a need for people to break it down to one another, which is interesting. Okay, so now we get into... Now we get into the fun, nitty-gritty stuff about like, how these ten words kind of break down in their... Society. Yeah, I used to always think this was the boring part, but I found it interesting oh this time. Gosh. First and foremost, you're <clears throat> going to build altars and worship. Here's how you do it. Right. Yeah, you don't do it like they did in Egypt. Oh, and I don't know if we mentioned, um, I, I'd mentioned to you earlier about people bringing up like the code of Hammurabi and the, the, there's other laws mm-hmm. that are even before Moses. And so the criticism was, oh, Moses just steals someone else's, and, and then you start getting into this idea of thinking, for something to be right, it has to be the first. Mm-hmm. And then what we realize is, no, God has called the people out of a civilization called Egypt, who had its own code, 
who had its own worship practices, who had its own methods of dealing with people. Mm -hmm. And what you realize is in Egypt, they did not care about the widows. They did not care about the orphans. They did not care about how they treated slaves. In fact, they Mm -hmm. killed their babies. Remember? Mm -hmm. They don't care about the way we worship. They will sacrifice their own children. They will do all sorts of awful things. So yes, Moses' law looks like laws Mm -hmm. that have been around, but these are good laws, laws that respect women, children, life, animals. They're super, super just and beautiful. And so, um, I don't know, that's just something that, so it starts off with, here's how you're going to worship. You're not going to build an altar that has steps. Yeah, it's not going to be like carved. It's not going to be representing images. It's going to be from unhewn rocks that you just stack on top of each other. And it's, again, just, you can't, like, it's not to represent or build a god. And then he says, you have to wear clothes because the way they're, Mm -hmm. the, the ziggurats and all these other things that are built at the time, people are, like, flailing themselves on these steps. They're hurting themselves. They're being naked and doing sexual things Mm -hmm. to try and entice the gods. And so God says very clearly and beautifully, you're going to be my civilized, beautiful, clothed people on ramps that you just bring up to me. You know, it's not going to be all the, the gross show and the glitz Mm -hmm. and the, the displays of your own, you know, whatever. Right. So that's, that's the rest of chapter 20, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And then he immediately gets into laws about slaves. Yes. Which, again, I'll set up, and then I want to hear what you have to say, Matt. Yes. Like, people will often accuse the Bible of being pro-slavery. Mm-hmm. And uh, when, in fact, you'll see here, yes, it, it deals with the um, topic of slavery, but it is not at all like how the other nations dealt with slavery. Yeah, and so I'm realizing... There's a reason why these are the first two like he gets into, like worship and slavery, is because these were the two predominant themes that they were having to deal with in Egypt that needed to be addressed. So right. worship looked very different in Egypt and was gross, and God's like, no, it's going to look this way now. It's going to be orderly and respectable. Now, slaves, you guys were just slaves. The instinct of a freed slave or a freed uh, a nation that was just under oppression, the broken instinct is to go and oppress right is i'm going to be the ruler now i'm going to be the the one who gets to oppress now right um and And that's what we're seeing in our culture today if you've been oppressed uh or actually you see it in american history if if the catholics or the protestants were oppressed in europe they came to america they set up protestant churches then they oppressed the catholics Mm -hmm. and then the cat you know it goes back and forth and it goes if you're ever fighting against an oppressive movement that's the natural momentum is then to be the oppressor at some point mm-hmm. because it requires an act of God for forgiveness and say, no, I'm not setting up another regime of violence and power because it's not about power. It's about freedom. Right. And God sets, that's why I think it's on his heart from the very beginning. Yeah. So he's like this, you guys were just slaves and you saw how it was handled poorly. Now I'm going to tell you how we're going to redeem people and the value of people. And so when you take Hebrew slaves, they're going to be more like bond servants. You go, you're, they work for you for six years, and then you let them go. You don't charge them. They don't have right. to build up a certain amount of goods for you. And on the seventh year, they are free to walk. Yeah, and it is like that indentured cert. Like, yeah. we're giving you a job. You owe a debt, whatever. But it's six years. And unlike Rome, like Paul talks about having to pay for his freedom and yeah. having to go above and beyond. Yeah, you do all these things. But God sets it up like, no. 
it's going to be fair. And then if you come in single, you get to leave single. If mm-hmm. you come in married, you leave married. Right. But you can choose to stay. And so he has a, a, a method of saying, if you want to stay, here's how you stay. You have a good relationship and you want to continue to work in the house, you put an earring, mm-hmm. which I think is funny. Like yeah, now like- when I see people, um, especially dudes with earrings, I'm like, oh, cool. You decide to stay with your master. <laughs> That's deep, deep level. Um, That's Exodus 21 jokes. Yeah, so, yeah, it's very, like, protective because a lot of times, too, like, like with women, like, slave women, they would just be abused sexually. And yeah. it's, like, again, a protection. Like, um, if you have sex with a, a slave, like, you now, they are now considered part, like, married to you. Yeah. And you have to treat them and give them all the same rights that you would a normal marriage. Oh, yeah. And so, I mean, it's pretty amazing. Like, even you're not allowed to sell a slave to foreign people. You keep them in, um, oh, you keep them in the family. And then if you take a wife, so, like, polygamy at this point is still kind of tolerated. And he's like, look, if you're going to take another wife, you have to clothe her. You have to feed her. And it says you can't um, keep marital rights away from her, Mm -hmm. which... I looked into. Yeah, no. And, and the idea is you have to continue to have sexual relations with her. So that she could have a child. Right. In which in our minds we're like, ooh, if you're in a loveless marriage, that's the first thing to go. Mm-hmm. But God's saying in this culture, women are like, please impregnate me so I am honored and I have a stake in this world. And an inheritance. And an inheritance, yeah. right. So um, so even if you are going to mistreat your wife, mm-hmm. you have to give her these things. Like this is so loving. I mean, I know it's messed up, but he's, he's making allotments for our brokenness and saying, even in your brokenness, you need to feed, you need to clothe, you need to care for women and children. And if you don't, then you will be treated the same by me. Yeah. And even like this, like the abuse of slaves. Yeah. Like he talks about like, oh, yeah. like if you strike your slave and they can't recover, like they're set free. Right. And if you kill a slave, like, like there is payment and justice for all of this stuff. Like that... Like before, they're just property, so you can do with whatever you want with your property. But again, he's he is bringing back dignity to human life. Well, and I gotta we gotta keep going. I could stay longer right. than I thought, but like even the eye for an eye, mm-hmm. it's very it's not as strict and harsh as the Pharisees right uh, interpreted it later. In fact, when you read it, it's like, look, if you steal somebody's ox, you got to pay back five to one. If it's sheep, it's four to one. Mm-hmm. If an accident, like if you dig a hole, someone falls in it, you got to repay. Like it's very practical and fair. Mm-hmm. It's not even brutal or cruel. I mean, it even has um, things about if you accidentally kill somebody, there's refuge cities because it's allotting for the revenge of the family. Right. And I love how God's not saying, oh, this family's wrong for wanting revenge. He's like, look, this is the reality, but let's create a place where you can run to, allow this family to grieve mm-hmm. even, and so they don't commit more murder, mm-hmm. run to this refuge city, and then we'll deal with He'll set up more rules about that. If you accidentally hurt a pregnant lady, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like if you accidentally, it, it goes into um, every kind of common sense, restitution, justice. Like you just get the sense that God cares for his people. And when you care for your people, you care for your kids, you have to set up rules. you like, mm-hmm. don't go in their room. If you do, if you don't, you know, I have like uh, rules in our house. If you don't make your bed, you lose your phone. And it can seem cruel from outside, but it's like, this is how I care for these kids. I want to teach right. them some things. I want them to grow up. And so, um, oh, yeah. The, the, at the end of it, though, there's 
a section on social justice. Yeah, that's in 22. About, but sorcery and bestiality result in death. Yeah. Idolatry results in death. He says, love the immigrant because you were an immigrant. Mm-hmm. Love the widow and the orphan because you're basically the widow and the orphan. Um, do not charge interest. And mm-hmm. here's one that well, no one likes to focus on. Don't borrow money. Don't borrow it. If you borrow anything, give it back by sundown. Isn't that funny? And if you lend, don't charge interest. Mm-hmm. God says that because he knows that's going to be a huge problem. Right. Don't curse the ruler of your people. That one kind of hurts us today mm-hmm. because everyone is very comfortable cursing a leader they don't like. So just know you're breaking a commandment of God. Good luck. Hopefully you know the gospel. <laughs> um, don't give false report. You know, like don't take bribes and don't corrupt justice. God cares about all the people, poor, and, powerless. And then even uh, animals. Oh, yeah, care like for he, animals. Like, he even has, like, this little, like, um, uh, you allow, like, a newborn. Because, like, they were supposed to sacrifice the firstborn right. of any of the animals. But he's like, give it seven days with its mother. Yeah, no. I'm like, uh, that's above and beyond. <laughs> this is well thought out. Yeah. And it's beautifully it kind is. and compassionate and um, trying to create a society that God's proud of and that he loves and where people can flourish. Right. So that took a... Uh, you know what? I don't mind spending a lot of time on these chapters because throughout our lives, we've spent the least amount on these yeah, chapters. Yeah, I've blown through them. And on this time around, I'm going, oh my gosh, this is so good. Yeah, and and what's cool is you can start to see the corruption of these things, and our even to this day, the corruption of humanity has not really changed too much. We mm-hmm. still pick at the same scabs and uh, and struggle with the same themes of power and uh, and injustice and oppression. Yeah. So there we go. Boom. Moving on. New to Testament. Our New Testament. Our New Testament reading is Mark chapter 1, verse 29, through chapter 3, verse 30. Well, Jesus deals with, uh, after teaching in the synagogue and quieting the demonic presence and healing, he comes back to Peter's house, and uh, Peter's mother-in-law is sick. And so you kind of see the intimacy of, look, knowing Jesus, he heals your mother-in-law. Yeah. And immediately, he has authority to heal her, but she then gets up and is able to be the person she wants to be and serves her boys, mm-hmm. you know, serves her son-in-law and the, um, and the 12 disciples. Yeah. And, um, and then the whole city, see, what I've noticed with Mark is as I'm going, it's over and over again, it's like large, he's reporting about large crowds kind of pushing in at the door of this house now to be healed. Yeah the authority of Jesus is like overwhelming to the people who are usually hurt by authority. Right. You know what I mean? Like these are the people who are authority is always oppressed. They're pushed to push to the edges because mm-hmm. of their sickness or their socioeconomic situation or whatever their culture. And Jesus has authority and he's using it for them. Yeah. Cause again, he's, he's still in Galilee Yeah, and it's just all the marginalized and the outcasts of Jewish society, and so they're seeing a, a rabbi, a, a spiritual leader coming to them and then performing and healing and freeing them up. 
And so it's overwhelming. The response to Jesus is overwhelming and almost like I feel like claustrophobic and yes. almost like crushed. It is. It's crazy. It's by becoming the demand. It's becoming like uh, what do they call it? Black Friday times yeah. a spiritual hundred. Yes. Um, times a million. So they're all crushing in, um, kind of crushing around Jesus. But Mark finds it like these are the things that come to his mind. So he does um, Jesus then preaching, casting out demons. He's always telling demons to be quiet. Mm-hmm. So there's his authority there. He gets away and he says, I'm here to preach. So they move on. Well, yeah. So again, then, another thing that he is kind of con- contrasting with like the pressing of the crowd is Jesus's need, very human need to have moments alone. Yeah. So in uh, chapter one, verse 35 it has this quick moment where Jesus rises very early in the morning, and while it's still dark, he slips out to a desolate place to pray and be alone and fed by his yeah, father. Yeah, it's his contrasting because he's going to be in the crowds. Yes. And that's uh, a necessary rhythm of Sabbath. Yeah, and you know? so like he's sneaking away, and even his disciples are going, uh, where are you? Like They're searching for him and trying to find him because he'll go off on his own without telling them. And he's killing their uh, new business momentum. Right. Like, come on, man. We gotta- Every- Everyone's looking for you. Yeah. <gasps> and, and, and then his response to Peter's like, everyone's looking for you. We got to keep going. Like, everyone wants more. In Capernaum, we need to stay here. And yeah. he's like, yeah, it's time to go. Yeah, I think we need to go somewhere else now. What? We just started. Yes. Yeah, which is kind of fun when you follow Jesus and... There's just times when it's time to move on and no one will understand. Break the wrist, walk away. Yep. So then he finds time for a leper who says, if you will, can you make me clean? And Jesus just stretched out his hand, moved with pity. I just love that. Like That's the thing. Jesus is full of compassion. It's things are crazy, but he finds the one person. The one person finds him and he has time, Mm -hmm. which kind of combats the, oh, God doesn't have time for my prayer about a parking lot. Mm-hmm. Or a parking space. Yeah. Well, then, you, again, we just need to focus in on the Bible and realize, yes, he absolutely does. And he says, uh, if you're willing, he says, I will. I will clean you. Be clean. And he heals this guy. And then the he, guy betrays him. Well, he touches him. Yeah. So there's like two healings. There's mm-hmm. like an emotional and physical healing because lepers were oh, cast out of call. society. Yeah. And the, one of the first things, he, he stretches out his hand and touched him and said, ah, you will be clean. So he touches him before he cleanses him. Yeah, you're right. So there's an emotional healing first, and then there's a physical healing that follows. He says, uh, I will be clean. And then what's funny is the guy is so excited yeah. to be reintroduced to society. He finally has a voice, and he has something amazing to say. But Jesus says, it's not time. And so he sternly like warns him, please do not talk about this and just go show yourself to um, mm-hmm. the priest and be kind of reintroduced to society. And of course, the guy goes and and just blabs about it to everyone. Yes, and then this is a, something that I've never really noticed before because there is like this um, early on, there is this kind of like secrecy that Jesus is kind of kind of keeping, and we can kind of start to see the need for it within Mark because of the constant demand and overwhelmingness of the people that are coming on to him so after this he says um he spoke about it and spread the news to the point that jesus could no longer openly enter a town but was out in desolate places and then the people had to come to him yeah yeah so he could no longer go through towns anymore because of his popularity 
and he had to go out into the deserts, and people would have to come and meet him out there. And I think it's an overlooked thought. Jesus knows that he's starting a subversive movement. Mm -hmm. Like this is against all the powers and their comfort and their abuses. And so he does have what uh, you'll read. If you ever read like a commentary, they'll refer to it as the messianic secret that Mark really highlights. Mm -hmm. Like keep this under wraps. If you want to keep getting healed, don't expose it to everybody, which is counterintuitive to us now because now we all feel guilty because none of us go and tell the whole village about what Jesus has done in our life. (laughs) And we have to preach and go tell everybody and your friends what Jesus has done in your life. It's the opposite. It's like, why are we all keeping our Christianity secret? Right. Um, and maybe it's because we haven't been emotionally or physically healed by Jesus. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll have to deal with that. Um, this isn't the place. But uh, good yeah. luck. Yeah, so then um, after a few days, Jesus kind of like tries to get back into Capernaum, back to his house or, or Peter's. We're not yeah. entirely sure, but his home, his home base and word again gets out that Jesus is back. And so they press in around the house. Like, you can't even get near the door at this point because everyone's right. just trying to get near him. They literally take off the friends of the uh, paralytic, take off the roof. Yeah, they, like... Right. Uh, they, they ruin, ruin a house. house. <laughs> they ruin someone's house. To get to Jesus. But, you know, I like it. I never really understood that. Like, why couldn't they just walk in? Because it is... People are... It's insane. It's like people trying to get the last boat... The last like lifeboat off the Titanic. Yes, <laughs> like, and and so these guys bore a hole through a thatch roof, drop him down. Mm-hmm. And to me, what that says is, at least how I interpret it now, is do whatever you have to do to get to Jesus. Yeah, people, go to him because he's gracious and he'll forgive you for hiding your light under a lamp. I slammed you a few minutes earlier, but he'll forgive you. So, <laughs> so bore a hole in whatever you need to to get to Jesus because he will save you. And then, of course, Jesus displays his divine power in words. And you know what? I found, I, I do get this for a second. Yes. Because Cause the shine just, of Moses' face, right? We've been talking about well, how, like, the oh, miracles. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Well, what he's about to say. Yeah. I was, like, they just vandalized Peter's house. Right. And now this paralytic man is, like, laying down in front of Jesus. And what does Jesus say to him? What's the first word? <laughs> I forgive you. I forgive you. <laughs> You just broke me into my house. I know. But I forgive you. But then they challenge because they... sins are forgiven. They know that he's talking about all of his sins. Yes. And that is one of them. You just vandalized my house. <laughs> yes. And uh, that's funny. I never thought of that. And I then, never thought of that until right now. It's very real. It is a very real in the moment thing to say. Your sins are forgiven. But Jesus is so brilliant. Uh, he handles... He, he knows they're all mad and murmuring. He's mm-hmm. like, well, which is easier for me to say your sins are forgiven or to, to get up and walk? And he knows... They think the miracle is harder. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like they yes. think, oh, anyone can say you're just blaspheming by saying your sins are forgiven. Right. And Jesus is saying, no, to forgive someone's ongoing, constant death cycle and sins against me forever and ever over death itself, which is the the creation of sin, that is much harder than a miracle that you'll the glow of it will wear off in thirty mm-hmm. days. Mm-hmm. Like this guy, thirty days from now, will be running around worried about what he's wearing and freaking out about something else and forget totally that he couldn't walk for most of his life. Right. But Jesus does both. He says, get up and walk and uh, your sins are forgiven. Yeah. And uh, again, it's just Mark is highlighting Jesus's total authority 
over yeah. everything. The authority on earth. He has all authority. The Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins and create something out of nothing. Mm-hmm. And you're right, though. If you go back to the vandalism, it is like, I say to you, then pick up your bed and go home. That is kind of what you'd say to a kid who just broke something. You know what? Go home. <laughs> Take your baseball. Go home. Thanks, mister. <laughs> anyway, um, does there's authority to forgive. And then um, we're going to uh, chapter 30, right? Or no. verse 30. Verse 30. No. Yeah, we are going to. Yes. Okay. But right now we're in 13, and uh, he goes out to the sea because, again, he's trying to get away from the oppressiveness of the crowd. And uh, he passes by Levi, who is also known as Matthew, a tax collector, and he calls him. So, again, his authority over who he can choose and who he who he picks. Yeah. It's very interesting. And he picks, like, the worst people. Yeah. The pe- Everybody. This is the person your wife would be like, I think that's a really bad move. <laughs> You're choosing a guy who has sided with the Herodians, the guy yes. who's sided with Rome. He steals from his own people. Yes. And the only friends he can possibly make are other sinners. Right. Like, other, other tax, tax collectors. collectors. Yes. Like, basically the pimps and the prostitutes of our time. Mm-hmm. And drug dealers. Right, and so... And so Jesus says, well, um, those who are well have no need of a physician. Mm-hmm. But those who are sick, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. So he's like, yeah, I know what I'm doing. Yep. I'm calling people who are ready to submit and repent to life because they've actually uh, realized the death that they're in. And then uh, we get down to the question about fasting. So now, again, they're going like, why aren't you adhering to all the rules that the other spiritual leaders of our time adhere to? Um, and, oh, yeah. And so, again, like, at this point in time, the Pharisees have, like, really made the law uh, a burden, and they would weekly fast. So they would fast two times a week, um, which was above and beyond anything the law of Moses required. Yeah, and, and the Pharisees, the actual name means the separate ones. Mm-hmm. So they're separate beyond being separate. Beyond being separated as the people of God, they're separate within the separate. Mm-hmm. And they were just rigorous in obeying the law. And that's why they're going, you can't be right. But then Jesus basically says, look, you can't patch the law up with the gospel. Right. That's what I, how I see yes, it. Like you can't, yes. This is something new. Right. This is new wineskins altogether. And it's taken me a while to figure it out, but I'm realizing, oh, the new wineskin is the gospel. Mm-hmm. Like, you're going to be forgiven and blessed. The deal that's been broken with, by the law, like, you broke the law, and that's been broken. And in the past, we'd patch it up with, we offer sacrifices, mm-hmm. we do these things, and that's how you keep it going. But now he's like, you don't do that with the gospel. We need you, something. You only receive it. Mm-hmm. And again, he's having, a, so he's had authority over the, uh, the sinners. He's like claiming he's a doctor, right? Right. That's authority to heal and call whoever he wants. Now he's claiming authority over even the um, the wineskins, like he's saying. The, the law of the Pharisees. Yeah, I'm doing something new and better. Mm-hmm. What? And then, of course, you get to the mother of all laws, which no one understood, which was the Sabbath. And he's like, guess what, guys? I'm going to uh, confuse you with my expert knowledge. So we talked about this in Matthew. Mm-hmm. This is where Mark lists the situation with David and throws them into confusion because David broke the Sabbath by eating the holy bread and doing all this stuff. And then David called the one who was to come, his Lord, right. 
And so they don't know how to answer that. And um, yeah, and he just says, uh, he says, the Sabbath was made for man, not the man for Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Right. Again, now I am the Lord David was talking about. Yeah, I am. And I say what happens on the Sabbath. Yes. Okay, so at this point, his authority is freaking out the separate separated ones, mm-hmm. and they are taking it um, personally. Yes. How and, dare you? And then in chapter 3, now they're like, okay, we need to... So we're like in chapter 3 of Mark, and we're hitting... Pharisees are already working for, like, looking for a way to end him. Right. And so they set up the whole thing. They're watching his every move. And so it's Sabbath. He's in the synagogue. And he's in the place of authority. Where right. they, now he's in their home court. Right. And he's doing, he's actually acting out the thing he said. So yeah. there's a man with a withered hand. And they're all looking at him like, you're not going to heal him. A doctor can't work on the Sabbath. Right. And that's where Jesus says, look, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or do harm? To save life or to kill? Right. And that does force their hand like, oh, no. We don't think of it that way. Yeah, and they're silent, and yeah. and I love the and he looked around at them with anger, grieved yeah. at their hardness of heart, like they're so like wanting to be right, yeah, that they can't look at anyone with compassion. And I kind of, in a weird way, I I kind of like knowing that Jesus can be grieved. You know what I mean? Yeah, like not because. Because we know his heart is for us. Just like with my kids, like as soon as they're like, dad, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. man, they're back. But I can be grieved with my kids. Like mm-hmm. I'm really disappointed how you're not listening, how you're not, your heart is hard and you don't trust me. Mm-hmm. And so that's just something that Jesus's heart is grieved for these guys who have access to the law and have totally missed it. They're only consumed with how they're keeping it, ready to kill people who don't keep it like them. And so he's angered and grieved. At their hardness of heart. And I would say, you know, the Holy Spirit can be grieved. Jesus is grieved by the hardness of our hearts in areas. And that's why the call to repentance and confession is uh, absolutely necessary. Because it's a relationship, you know. So he establishes this authority in the synagogue. Mm -hmm. And this is the thing that drove the Pharisees to meet with their enemies. The Herodians. The Herodians. And it's like, all right, we need to kill Jesus. Even though we... We think you're an illegitimate dynasty colonizing us illegitimately. You are the enemy, but we're going to work with you to get rid of this one guy because he heals people. (laughs) Absurd. Yeah, and then again we see a little aspect where Jesus is withdrawing from his disciples. He's withdrawing from everyone. He's going out to the sea to be alone. And then, of course, the crowd finds out, like, I saw Jesus going over there. And they all, like, (laughs) rush over. And then he has to tell his disciples, hey, get a boat ready for me. Like, I'm starting to recognize, like, why Jesus spent a lot of of time in boats. So he could, like, have some space. Yeah, so people aren't touching him and, like, literally touching him. And crushing him. Like, it says, like, get a boat ready, lest they crush me. It's kind of scary to think, like, have you ever had someone just all come gather around you, want to touch you? I'm trying to think if I ever have. Like, I think sometimes you, if you go to a different country and when they're trying oh, to sell yes, things yes, and all yes, of a sudden yes. people all gather around you, it's intimidating. That's just a few. Mm-hmm. But it, it's very intimidating and like, whoa. So, um, and then this is where, 
Then he went home and a crowd gathered again so that they could not even eat. Yeah. And so this is when the family heard it. And his family, you got his, the people who are closest to Jesus are also working against him. They're like, um, they tried to seize him and they said, hey, man, Jesus is out of his mind. Everyone go away. He's just a crazy delusional person. Right. They try to disperse the movement and stop. Right. Like, so we see the spiritual leaders of the time unable and unwilling to understand what Jesus is trying to do. Uh, his 12, his disciples, like, are trying to understand what he's doing. Like, even Simon's like, we need to stay here in Capernaum. Like, we got a good following. Yeah. And he's, like, not grasping. Now we have his own family who they are trying to ruin, like, undo the work yeah. that he's doing and discredit him right. so he can, like, have a meal. Like, they're again, it's, like, from the aspect of, like, Oh, we're trying to do what's best for him. Yeah, like, no, he's not I, even eating. If you were there talking to his family, they would convince you that that we just we, we actually really care for this. We're guy. not even against him. It's just we're the only ones not using him. Yeah, and we need to protect him. And I think his head's getting big. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And and Mary's probably doing one of the what is that called the 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 face palm. Yeah. <laughs> like she has treasured these things in her heart. Remembers mm-hmm. angels singing at his birth, but. You know, that might get lost on the brothers. Um, yeah, and then now, so we're seeing Jesus, like his closest people, starting to work against him. And now the accusation comes against him of the works that you are doing are from the devil. Right. We can't say you're not doing miracles, but the thing we can do now is we can say your miracles are from Satan. Yeah, and that's the authority is established. He's claiming authority. And so every kind of avenue of challenging his authority has kind of been carried out now and so we get to the real question which is you are of the devil yeah you have authority so we're going to attribute your authority to the devil and so uh, that's where jesus has the the great kind of speech where it's like how can satan cast out satan a nation you know like a nation that's what i think that's how lincoln used it a nation divided against itself can't stand but it's it's from jesus conversation with the pharisees saying there's no way a house divided against itself can stand so like Mm -hmm. i'm not going to cast out satan by the power of satan and in fact he says um all sins will be forgiven the children of man and whatever blasphemies they utter but whoever blasphemes against the holy spirit never has forgiveness but is guilty of an eternal sin and then they're after hearing that they go he certainly has an unclean spirit but this is that same passage where the unforgivable sin really is to sin against the grace of God. You're refusing the grace or to recognize Jesus as God's son and that um, at a minimum say, wow, something there, something's there. Now, that's the thing. You know what I mean? Like you're fine. The unforgivable sin is you don't care and you're attributing it to Satan. Yeah. That, and, and by that, I don't think we would attribute anything to Satan now, but we would say, I don't think that's for me. I don't think... We would dismiss it. We dismiss it because we, we don't really think there's a God who cares about parking mm-hmm. spaces and colds mm-hmm. and our team's winning. And, um, and that's a shame. Yeah. But the gospel can overcome that and uh, always does. And so that's why we continue to pray for our friends and present the gospel and, and preach the word because the word of God has the power to overcome that stuff. But, man, a lot. Mm. A lot going on. I mean, we're easily... Well, covering a lot today but that's the um, that's as far as we're going to go in Mark yep let's go to uh, Psalm, psalm 22. 22 it's a messianic psalm mm-hmm. all about uh, 
strangely and amazingly accurately describes the crucifixion of Christ. Yeah. I don't know if we already talked about that. but uh, We have a little bit because it's been pockets. We've been breaking it up. So it's Psalm 22, verse 12 through 21. Many bulls encompass me. Strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me like a ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a pot's herd. My tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death. For dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them. For my clothing they cast lots. But you, O Lord, do not be far off. O you, my help, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion. You have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. Boom. You've just been fed by ravens. Go in peace and serve the Lord.